are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Monday, July 19th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. A little bit of news this weekend, maybe not necessarily the news that you've been super plugged in and dialed in and waiting for and and scanning your social media timeline for, anything pertaining to Xavier Howard. No progress on that front. Uh, But we do have some Dolphins transactions from the weekend. Uh, I have some observations about some worst-case scenarios for the Miami Dolphins offensive line in 2021 to get into. So some good stuff nonetheless. Just no resolution to the Xavier Howard standoff that we are all very closely monitoring as the Dolphins continue to creep closer and closer to the start of 2021 training camp, which is now like a week and a half away, which is exciting in its own right. So let's start with the news. Uh, that the Dolphins signed wide receiver Isaiah Ford. Uh, he who we thought was gone for, oh, I don't know, the eighth time as a member of the Miami Dolphins hit free agency uh, after a couple years on the practice squad, some sparing time on the Dolphins' active roster. Uh, the Dolphins opt- ultimately traded Isaiah Ford to the New England Patriots for conditional late-round pick at last year's trade deadline. Uh, And that went so well for New England that they cut him and he ended the season back on the roster for the Dolphins yet again. Isaiah Ford is the new version of Ray Fenga. Uh, If you're a Dolphins fan in the early 2010s, uh, the Tony Sperano era of the team, Ray Fenga was an offensive lineman who was constantly, every week, He was cut, and then he was picked up back again the following week. He must have been on and off the team 10 times. Well, that's kind of the plan that Isaiah Ford now finds himself on because he, amid all of these wide receivers that the Dolphins have on their offseason roster, lo and behold, Isaiah Ford is back once again. And how did the Dolphins conduct this transaction? They waived two players, interestingly enough. Uh, They waived young safety Brian Cole, and they waived center Tyler Gaither. Uh, So the departure of Gaither is telling because the Dolphins seemingly have this wide-open competition for the center position. Matsker assigned a one-year deal. Michael Dieter entering into year three after being a day-two selection by the Dolphins in 2019. They signed Cameron Tom and free agency. They got bodies there at center which really marginalizes Gaither, and therefore he's no longer on the team. And Brian Cole, uh, big physical, uh, hitting safety, kind of a pseudo-nickel linebacker type off the roster. Those two guys the Dolphins announced on Friday that they were waiving in order to make additional room for Isaiah Ford on the roster. So what does this mean? Probably nothing. I think in the grand scheme of things, you're looking at the depth of the Dolphins wide receiver room. Isaiah Ford's probably not going to be an impact player. Maybe they try and stash him. I don't know. Maybe they just want more familiar bodies. I don't know. But what I do know is that in a revamped Dolphins wide receiver room, 
Isaiah Ford's probably not the kind of athlete that's going to be a mismatch type that can run away from man to coverage and threaten to make this roster. But Ford was not the only Miami Dolphins wide receiver, or by extension, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver, uh, to make headlines this weekend as former Miami Dolphins draft selection, Ted Ginn Jr., announced formally after 14 seasons his retirement from the NFL. And Teddy Ginn never really got off to on the right foot uh, with Miami Dolphins fans. He, of course, was notorious for being the selection for Cam Cameron's 2007 1-15 campaign. And Cam Cameron, uh, head coach for one year, went 1-15, then lost his job, uh, didn't really do Ted Ginn or himself as the head coach of the team really any favors because he gets drafted and Dolphins fans collectively lose their mind. You know, they were searching for a quarterback. Everybody wanted Brady Quinn at that time, was still on the board. He ended up going in the 20s to the Cleveland Browns and bombed out. Lo and behold, Ted, uh, Ted Ginn still playing here in 2020. But Cam gets up for his press conference at the draft party and goes, yeah, we just drafted uh, Ted Ginn and his family. You're going to be elated. Every time you watch him touch the football, he's going to be a great returner for us. Well, Ted Ginn's career actually did go on to include more than just returning kicks, uh, but he had over 15,000 all-purpose yards in 14 seasons. So that's yards from scrimmage and return yards, over 15,000. Yards. He had 6,228 yards from scrimmage, which is rushing and receiving yards combined. 42 career touchdowns. Not bad for a guy who got booed out of the building. Now, does that make it a good pick in hindsight? No, of course not. Miami could have done much better in 2007 than drafting Ted Ginn Jr. with the number nine overall pick. But nevertheless, a tip of the cap to Teddy Ginn, who played three seasons in Miami, 48 games, which is the most games he played for any team in his 14-year NFL career, and uh, managed to play a decade and a half in the NFL. Kudos to him. Some painful memories drug back up over the course of the weekend in reflecting. Of course, he had the two 100-plus yard returns for touchdowns against the Jets. He burned Revis deep. He caught that improbable catch against Seattle. He caught one of the critical passes, one of the touchdown pass from Chet Pennington in 2008, Week 17 against the Jets uh, to help Miami go on to win the AFC East title. Those were some of the highlights of Teggins' three seasons in Miami. He had one season in Carolina in 2015 where he had 10 touchdowns, which was more touchdowns than he had Uh, in his entire three-year stretch with the Dolphins. So, long story short, props to Ted Ginn. I hate that I had to relive this all over again, uh, but Ted, kudos for a great career, 14 seasons in the NFL. No painful memories associated with our friends over at Built Bar, however. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, absolutely delicious. This is not like chewing on the sole of your shoe. This is real A-grade, top-of-the-first-round protein bar here. So whether you're looking for something to replace a meal, eat post-workout, grab-and-go, stash in your glove compartment, 
stashing your golf bag. You name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. We're talking 130 to 180 calories per bar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. And as I said, they are absolutely delicious. They eat just like a candy bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, to save 15% off your order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So the meat and potatoes of today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is dedicated not to Ted Ginn. Uh, used to refer to him as Bumblebee Ginn uh, when I was younger because he always ran like he was getting chased by a bee. It's not to talk about wide receiver number 18 on the Dolphins roster. Technically, I think it's 15. Uh, Isaiah Ford. It's to talk about the worst-case scenarios for the 2021 Miami Dolphins offensive line. There's a lot of things that can go right. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a lot of ingredients at play here for the Miami Dolphins and their offensive line. You, of course, have the three rookie starters from last year. You have Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt, and Austin Jackson. You have a 2019 third-round selection of Michael Dieter. You have Jermaine Illuminor. You have DJ Fluker. You have Jesse Davis. You have the team's... Uh, fourth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, Liam Eikenberg. Yeah, Matt Skura, Cameron Tom. Lots of names to know here. And, and that is a luxury in its own right because, right, the Dolphins can mix and match and find the right combination of five players to put on the offensive line and hopefully put their best product out on the field. But there are certain dynamics at play here that will really exacerbate the unknown and create some problems for the Dolphins on the offensive line. And they've done a really good job in increasing competition in the group. They've done a really good job in addressing the team weaknesses and looking and searching for more explosives on offense, explosive plays, chunk gains. Stop trying to ask the team to string together 8 to 12 perfect plays consecutively to go down the field and score touchdowns. Tua Tagovailoa's second year, he's used to throwing to a lot of speed. He's got that now. That's great. But this offensive line will have a prominent role in the development of Tua Tungvaloa. And there are a number of things that can go wrong that make, quote-unquote, fixing the Dolphins' offensive line a complicated proposition. The number one worst-case scenario for the Dolphins on the offensive line, in my personal opinion, this is just my opinion, is left tackle Austin Jackson fails to take a notable step forward in his play in 2021. Because this is one of the few spots where there is considered to be zero competition. Austin Jackson is the left tackle for the Miami Dolphins. Austin Jackson was the number 18 overall pick for the Miami Dolphins in the 2020 NFL Draft. If you get the same version of Austin Jackson this year that you got last year, things just got very complicated. Because now you have to ask yourself this, the question, both, you know, first and foremost, it's going to impact your play on the offensive line in the here and now in 2021. And if Austin Jackson plays a full season like he did last year again this year, it's going to hurt the play and the performance of the entire offensive line. But if he does not take that step forward, now you are sitting here as the Dolphins asking yourselves, are we going to flush the toilet? Or are we going to punt? 
or are we going to transition away from a top 20 pick after two seasons? And if the answer is yes, there's sunk cost here. That stinks. But Austin Jackson, we knew, was going to be a developmental player. We knew he had a lot of technical refinement ahead of him. And I don't think it's that easy to just break off. So now it's, do we go into year three with two subpar seasons of play from Austin Jackson? If you do, because he was a top 20 pick, and you're banking on your developmental skills, and he does not materialize, now you're negatively impacting multiple seasons. And his draft status paired with his physical tools is going to make it hard to transition away from even if he doesn't play well. But if he doesn't play well, your source of inspiration, your confidence in that pick materializing cannot be high. So now you're playing the gambit of offensive tackle. Do we go there again? We drafted Jackson and Hunt to play tackle. Well, Hunt, we actually like him better inside. So let's draft another tackle in the Amica Burger. Let's trade up to get him. Well, now Austin Jackson's been underwhelming for two consecutive seasons. Do you go to the well again? And I get, like, you're not going to bat 1,000. But that would be a really hard pill to swallow. If you're looking at the Dolphins and the big picture of the team-building effort and repeatedly investing assets at the offensive tackle position, and he's not really a guy who you think has positional flexibility. I see nothing in Austin Jackson in his game that tells you, yeah, they'll just kick him inside. He'll be protected inside. That's a cliche. And with Austin Jackson and some of his technical warts from his rookie season, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So you take a guy like him who struggles to first contact at times, and you put him inside, and what's going to happen? Well, now he's getting beat just as quickly, but the defender's lined up closer to the quarterback, so now you're going to have interior pressure. I don't think that's a simple transition for him. So if Austin Jackson doesn't take a step forward, I don't know what you do with him. You're either going to gamble, roll the dice, and say, year three is going to be the year. I can feel it. And risk it not being the year, and now you've sunk another year at the tackle position. You transition away too quickly. You're over-investing. You know, there's a difference between addressing and investing. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. But man, it would really stink to draft four offensive tackles in two years with prominent picks. That would really sting. So Austin Jackson, please leave no doubt. At least shut the door on this possibility. Take that step forward with your play, and the Dolphins can say with some confidence, okay, he's better than he was last year. We're going to bet he takes another step forward in year three. Absolute worst case scenario, nightmare scenario, is you get the same version of Austin Jackson because I don't know what you do with that, personally. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of your favorite sports action. Whether you're looking for MLB, NBA, NHL, or UFC, you can visit betonline.ag and get the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs. So head over to the website on your laptop or mobile device to check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available to you. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Visit betonline.ag. 
on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, committed a lot of time to Austin Jackson and how that can really derail the progress and the improvement and the overhaul and quote-unquote fixing the offensive line. But this is not the only troublesome scenario. Another one for me is if Matt Skura fails to clean up his snap issues. Uh, He was benched at one point last season for a stretch of play that included some errant snaps. He struggled against the New England Patriots. And there's a quote from John Harbaugh after that game uh, that he described those snap issues as, quote-unquote, very costly. Are the snaps concerning us? Absolutely. That was very costly in the game. It's a tough deal. It's a hard situation. But Matt Skura knows he has to get those snaps back there. Nobody feels worse about it than he does. And the reason why this would be very problematic for me in my perspective is you're banking on competition driving the center position to find a quality option. And maybe Michael Dieter comes in regardless of how Matt Skura performs in training camp and Dieter blows you out of the water, in which case crisis averted. But if you're the Dolphins, you want to see every option that you have. And if Matt Skura cannot consistently snap the football, you're cutting down on your competition, and the side effect of that is you're going to have less options at your disposal you're going to feel confident about going into a game. I want to be able to say with confidence whether Skura, Dieter, Tom, the better player, the better option, they play center. And Skura could very easily, based on his resume in his time in Baltimore, He's the best option based on what he did during his time in Baltimore sans those snap issues. So if those snap issues don't go away, your best option is greatly impacted and you're not going to play him. You can't play him with the snap issues. Do I think it's going to be a problem? No. And I think that's an important distinguishment to make here on this show. I'm not saying these any of these things are going to happen. But we have to acknowledge the highs and the lows. We have to acknowledge what can go wrong just as much as we talk about the things we're anticipating are going to go right as we put the pieces of the puzzle together and kind of help establish our expectations and our baseline for this Dolphins offensive line and specifically this Dolphins offense. So Matt Skura, snap issues. If it shows up again, man, I'm going to be bummed out. And man, is that really going to hurt because you need all these guys competing for the center job to be playing at a competitive level to help push the performance of whoever wins the job to a rate and a level of play that you feel comfortable in. And the last worst-case scenario for me with the Dolphins' offensive line, personally, is if Liam Eikenberg comes in and he's not ready to play. Because Liam Eikenberg kind of flies in the face of some of the things that we've seen the Dolphins gravitate towards typically. But when you consider, well, he didn't give up a sack since 2018 at the college level. Well, he's fairly polished as a player. He doesn't meet their size thresholds. He doesn't necessarily meet their athleticism thresholds based on the vast majority of offensive linemen that this regime has brought in. He slightly missed those cutoffs. All of that is okay, 
if Liam Eikenberg and his technical prowess and his ability to win double teams and climb off the first level and be proficient, if not a stud, but proficient in pass protection, if that doesn't materialize itself and you traded up to number 42 overall to land Liam Eikenberg and you gave up a future three to get him, that's going to be a really hard pill to swallow. The price tag involved with Liam Eikenberg has set the expectation for me that he is going to start. That should be everybody's expectation as he commands a starting job on the Dolphins' offensive line. Because that front five, they went out with all the players that they had, all the competition that they had, and they still traded up from 50 to go get their guy and go get Liam Eikenberg. And if Liam comes in this year and Liam's not ready to play, then that is not very promising. And you are in turn going to play the musical chairs across not just the guards or the tackle spot, but across the entire offensive line. Because if Liam Eikenberg doesn't win the right tackle job, then you're probably looking at Robert Hunt playing at right tackle, which I'm personally comfortable with. That's okay. But now who's playing right guard? Is it Solomon Kinley? Okay, now who's playing left guard? Or is Solomon Kinley playing left guard? Now who's playing right guard again? Is it DJ Fluker? Jermaine Illuminor? Jesse Davis? I'm okay with some of these options, but the highest ceiling and the biggest long-term benefit for the Dolphins' offensive line is Liam Eikenberg plays right away, and he claims the right tackle job so that Robert Hunt can move inside, and now you've got a really strong identity on the interior with a bunch of physical bodies that can continue to move, but you have somebody who's a little bit more polished, a little bit more technical, playing the right tackle spot to play the blindside pass protector. If two of those three things don't happen, oh boy. If Liam Eikenberg's not ready to play and Austin Jackson's the same version of himself as he was in 2020, Oh boy. If all three of these things happen, it's going to be a bumpy ride. If Austin Jackson is 2020 Austin Jackson, and then you got Solomon Kinley at left guard, and Michael Dieter plays center, but he's not pushed as hard as he could have been because Matt Skura can't get his snaps right, and DJ Fluker or Jesse Davis is playing right guard, and Robert Hunt's playing right tackle. My enthusiasm for what this line can be, but also, more importantly, my excitement for the 2022 season with the offensive line, you're going to have to go in and completely reinvest in this group again all over again. Maybe not to the same degree, because Liam Eikenberg, if he's not ready to play and he doesn't play, then you're, you're not going to know what you have. You're not going to have those reps from this season to bank upon when forecasting him moving forward. Now, that could also lead to uh, a lesser investment because you can still say, well, we still believe in Liam Eikenberg, but he just wasn't ready to play last year. But I don't think you can go through all that and then not bring anything in a tackle, especially if Austin Jackson doesn't take a step forward. Now you might be looking at needing two, two more tackles or another stud guard to try and give Robert Hunt the, the opportunity to go back outside and play tackle again. And I think... The worst thing you can do is if you're going to start moving Robert Hunt now, don't play musical chairs with him. Let him find a spot and let him acclimate to it. 
And I understand it's a combination of your best five, and sometimes that means you got to play musical chairs and shuffle guys around. But Robert Hunt, you know, if he's destined to play inside and Austin Jackson doesn't take a step forward and you don't know what you have at the end of the year in Lee Meikenberg, don't move Robert back out. Leave him inside. Let him settle in and go find yourself a tackle, whether that's in free agency, somebody else that can be a swing tackle and compete for that spot, or whatever. Those are a couple of the worst-case scenarios for this Dolphins offensive line. The team can take one of them in stride. If it's the Austin Jackson one, that's going to stink. That'll be a difficult decision for next offseason, but they could still take it in stride in the here and now. If two of those three things happens in 2021, you're probably going to have a lot of erratic play up front. And if all three things happen, then we got to go back to the drawing board as far as what we're doing and what we're building on the offensive line. Because this will be three years into the regime, a lot of investments made, double-digit players brought in in the group. And if those three things happen, I don't know how much closer you are to finding a final product other than we found two starters on the inside. I don't think it's going to come to that. But just something to put on your radar as we brace for and prepare for the storylines that are going to develop throughout the course of this season. Let's keep our head on a swivel and understand that these things can go both ways. Because as we've talked about on the show before, when you make as many investments into your roster as the Dolphins have made over the last 48 months, you're never going to bat a 1,000. It will not happen. Some of these guys are going to come in and they're going to take a massive step forward. The Miles Gaskins of the world, the Andrew Van Ginkles of the world. Some of these guys are going to take a moderate step forward. Some of these guys will not take a step forward. And who each of those players are that falls into each bucket is going to help define what this season looks like. I can tell you what the rest of the week looks like here on Locked on Dolphins. you got four more episodes this week, including Power to the Pod tomorrow. So here's a tip. Hit subscribe on the podcast, please and thank you. Power to the Pod tomorrow. You can tweet at LockedOnFins with a PH with your hashtag Power to the Pod and whatever is on your mind. And we'll get to as many of those subjects as we possibly can. Or you can leave a five-star review on the show and I will read your reviews as well. Putting it back on your radar, we talked about at the end of last week. Uh, the Dolphins Challenge Cancer Fantasy Football League. We are just about full from a media slots member standpoint, which means... Uh, we almost have our eight media personality representations. At which point, I'm going to start the giveaway for here on Locked On Dolphins. Entry fee to the Dolphins Challenge Cancer Fantasy Football League is $100 per person. So we are raising $1,600 for Dolphins Challenge Cancer. You, as a listener of this show, or three yards per carry, or following uh, Matt Kanata and Pro Football Network, or any number, Josh Houts, Jason Sarney. we got a great group of guys this far. We're waiting on just a couple more to get finalized. Big E, Dolphins fan of the year. Uh, following any number of these guys, it's going to give you an opportunity to win a spot in this 16-team Dolphins-centric 
Fantasy Football League, which you know, we'll have a group chat. We'll talk about your trash all season long. Uh, and Locked On Dolphins is committed to paying whoever wins Locked On Dolphins is plus one. So whoever wins my giveaway for my spot to play and be my guest in the Fantasy League, Locked On Dolphins is committed to paying your $100 Dolphins Challenge Cancer donation entry fee into the league. So once we get those final two spots that we're waiting on getting filled finalized, we'll push play on what that that giveaway looks like, and uh, we'll run that in tandem with training camp. So lots to look forward to. Hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins of Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Have a great rest of your Monday. Fins up. Hope to talk to you tomorrow.